What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Terror Table, a horror movie podcast hosted by the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. I am one of your hosts. My name is Mitch, and with me today, I got... I'm Boozy. And guess who's back? Coming in at uh, 69 pounds. I wish I was 69 pounds. Yeah, that doesn't work as well. I just wanted to use, just say the words. Yeah, I know. Honestly, the, the thought was there, and just so everyone's clear... I'm back. I'm not 69 pounds. I'm stronger than ever. And I'm here to take as many names as I possibly can. My name is Kyle the Undertaker Zervitsky. And I am going to change that middle name by the end of the episode. And you know what? That's, let's roll. Let's roll. Uh, <laughs> you, you came in strong. You ended uh, reflective. I like that. Hey, that's the name of the game. That's the Zervinsky way. You know, you yeah, you learned. You changed over the course of your conversation with yourself. Yeah. 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 Hell yeah. Either way, we are all back together again at last. It's been a long time, uh, been a while, been a minute or two. Uh, but to make up for it all, we are going to be doing a double feature today. Uh, two Yorgos Lanthimos films. We will be talking about Dogtooth and The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Why did we say we were going to do this episode again? I don't know. I just who's, you brought it up. Yo, Whose idea yo, was I this? this to- I thought this was Kyle's idea the whole time. No way. Mitch it was, it was me. I'm just really excited because this is my shit. But... Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no. So this... Mitch, I thought, so, okay, so this was Mitch Secret Ops because this totally does seem like a Kyle thing. Well, no, because I've, I like, I wanted to do Dogtooth and Killing of a Sacred Deer on the same episode ever since Kyle joined the podcast, but I didn't want it to be one of your first couple as a member of the show right, because right. then it'd be, everyone would be like, oh, Terror Table's gone. Gone fucking artsy and eight twenty four hipster douches. Uh, Terror tables woke. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's how you become woke. Is you get a white guy with glasses on your show. There. Yeah, we oh go. my god, I don't know if you, I don't know if you guys have heard the most recent episode, but Brent from Let's Talk About Stuff loves to razz me about how we replaced Diego, a brown man, with Kyle, another white man. <laughs> oh, yeah, that that. To be fair, is not a good look, but it is what it is. You know, it's a questionable uh, part of our Wikipedia history page, but you know, whatever, <laughs> we'll get past it. It could be worse. There's far worse Saskatoon-based Wikipedia pages out there, and I'll I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Are we talking about Bombargo? Yeah, that's Bombargo-based. Yeah, that's. <laughs> oh that. yes. Okay. You that's can always blast Bombargo on here, please, at any time. Um, I was kind of like saying Voldemort. I try like not to I say. Know. Yeah, I know, because you don't want to give them more power. No, no, not at all. But either way, I am. I'm very excited to talk about these movies today. Uh, we've we've shared. A, I know all three of us have shared our thoughts on the killing of a sacred deer, like at some point, but just yeah, brief, numerous like, times. Yeah, and just brief in brief form. So today we're going to be getting all spoiler heavy with uh, with both the movies. So we'll be talking all about both movies front to back. So look forward to that. Before that, we're going to share a word from this week's sponsors. Direct West is a proud partner of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. Is marketing getting in the way of running your business? Direct West has a local expert team right here in Saskatchewan that will work with you to build your website exactly how you imagine it. Let them help you improve your online presence and head to directwest.com today. And uh, Boozy, I think you have a... What's that coming in from the left here? What's that coming in? We we got another plug? 
Who said that? What what was that? Oh. What's he trying to say? I think he's trying to say Terror Table Ted. If you use Terror Table Ted at checkout at FrightRags.com, you will get uh, 10% off on sweet horror merch. That's what that mummy came and said. It was a mummy, right, guys? I have no idea what's going um, on, I but I love that it. Was. But okay, that was probably the best on the spot commercial. It totally ever. was. I, I just it worked. I'm gonna feel bad if that's like super fucking loud. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> it sounded can okay just, like, here. We can um, equalize that. He was like bit. swallowing his mic. I just want to yeah, make it sometimes clear that you have to. If you're not using Terror Terror Ten at checkout, what are you doing? Like yeah, it's just it's honestly it's it's like, most of my passwords well, for you told most them, of my man. accounts. So and if and if Honey doesn't recognize it, then like <laughs> just tell Honey to screw off. Nobody wants those coins. The coins don't do anything. So you might as well use Terra Ten to check out. Okay. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> a double it was a double commercial. That was yeah, good that was cop a... bad cop right there. Now now let's start talking about horror movies, you guys. What have we been up to? It's been a while. Oh, Kyle, on. I know you've missed you've missed the show for but it seemed nothing. like a month and a half. It's because it's you've been... just been binging movies. <laughs> I fell off the face of the earth for like two months. I don't even know where where I've been. I don't know how time has existed. Yeah, we were actually gonna put out like you know I had those like missing Loomis posters. We were gonna do that for Kyle. <laughs> Honestly, if you would have found me on a side like a milk carton, I wouldn't be a, I wouldn't have been surprised. It was it was getting to that point. Okay. Um, I'll put it this way. The last movie I watched was Turbo Kid. So it's Jesus. been a while. Oof. <laughs> the, this generally, not even for the show, for like my own enjoyment. Yeah. So, but I'm happy to report that uh, I'm I'm currently a, a bit of a, a free man right now. So I'm I'm hoping to kind of crush some things I've been meaning to for years now. So look forward yeah. to that. Wow. Okay. But in the meantime, you can just enjoy your regularly scheduled programming where Kyle hasn't seen anything. So <laughs> in a way, we're back to normal. And it's honestly like you never left at this point. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you're you're off for the summer now, though. So you got like holidays and shit like that. So you're you're oh, planning a trip oh. around. I know you were saying that you wanted to go to the U.S. You wanted to go to Italy. You wanted to go and, to. And you said you weren't feeling very well either, but it wasn't going to yeah. stop you whatsoever. Yeah, you were yeah. like, "Fuck it's it." It's more like willpower. I'm just going to go with the power of will to really, right. Really the power of, of Will Smith. Yeah, we have similar body types right now, so. <laughs> Yeah, why you are that, looking good. Why is that a thing? I, I can't wait till I'm older. I'll just post a, a picture of myself standing on my front lawn and everyone will cheer for me. That's that's really what I want. <laughs> that's in actually respect. When you put it that way, that is that's respect. I just I, it's broke it down right there. <laughs> like that's what you're trying to achieve. What, what what did I miss here? What are we talking about? Oh, Will Smith. Well, it's just it's it's such an easily attainable thing. Let's just let's acquire the dad bods and we'll go stand on the lawn like we're looking for our mail. That, oh, I, is this a, is this a meme that I haven't seen? Oh, yeah, I don't oh, think Mitch that... saw the photo. Will Smith posted oh, okay. a photo of himself saying, "What did he? What was the caption even like?" I don't know. I, I like the distill. The distill of it is like, "I weigh more than I did before." I I don't know. That's all I got. It's remember. basically Will Smith just looking like a regular. Depressed? No, he's, no, he's he's got his dad bod going. He's not like dad bod going. I don't think yeah. we we've never seen a big Willie style that way. So it's just yeah. kind of a, it, he, it's not like Russell Crowe large, but like <laughs> yeah, but... close to Russell. Don't even no, no. I said it's not. It's like it's not in that range. <laughs> then we'd be concerned. Then I would maybe be concerned. Yeah, Will Smith just looks like a guy whose like wife cheated on him, and he has a bunch of weird kids. Like he, he's honestly like part of the course. He's he's doing great. 
It's crazy how your webcam has a dolly boozy. <laughs> I like. Have you noticed that? That I'm slowly. Yeah, like, I have absolutely. <laughs> Boozy's talking, and it's like the his webcam is just dollying like in a really artistic I, way, but it's really I'm just really, falling. Yeah. But all right, boys, it's been a long fucking time. Boozy, can you please tell me about some horror movies you've seen? Oh, I am going to tell you about some stuff. So first, we're going to talk about, and I don't know why I keep going back to this well because it's a terrible well to go to. But once again, I went to the. Uh, Short story adaptation into a TV movie, Stephen King well, which is never a good well to really. Okay, so are we talking the new stand? What? what, what, what no, 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 no. So we are talking about this is, oh God, what year is this thing come out? Uh, 1991's Sometimes They Come Back. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. The cover of that movie used to fucking terrify me when I was a kid. It's a very knockoff Christine, but 90s version picture. I do like it, though. Um, but it is, it's basically like there's a ton of these, these um, uh, made-for-TV movies where it's just based on short Stephen King stories. So the, the characters have very little, little to no depth. And that's what this plays out as and is rather uninteresting, containing basically most of the things that you expect from a Stephen King story. It's about uh, a gang of greasers who kill this dude's brother in the 60s. And then his brother, or he moves away from his hometown, but then he comes back and his brother and these ghosts come back. And he's like, this dude is a, a teacher. So all the greasers come back as students and they like harass him. What? Yeah, it's it's absurd. And then he has hmm. to use his his dead older brother to fight the greaser students who came back and are in his classrooms harassing him. So how long is this? Um, oh God, how long is it? It felt like forever. It's 97 minutes. But it okay. felt like an eternity. Okay, well, that's the thing is when you say like a Stephen King miniseries, I'm like, like the fucking no, it like one TV, or Salem's TV one? Movie. Okay, okay, so like, so, you know, like, as I explained, that's that whole thing right there is the depth of all these characters. It is like, I am a greaser, so I am bad. I am this small town kid who's learning about the big world, so I am good. And it's, I don't know, there's there's nothing really here. I don't know why I watched this. I think maybe the the title I was hoping for, like, Maybe Stephen King wrote like a, an alternate version to Salem's Lot or something, and this was it, or like Pet Cemetery. But uh, nope, it is not a diamond in the rough. <laughs> I would, I will still say the Night Flyer though is a very good diamond. Yeah, in the Night rough for... Night Flyer is okay. awesome. Yeah, I, he has tons of diamonds in the rough in there. But uh, but this yeah, is like, not one, and there's yeah. two sequels to this. What? And... There's two sequels. Yeah, and I can't imagine because this is based off of a short Stephen King story, oh, and like I yeah. said, there's no depth to it. But there's there's sequels to this. It it was concluded in this movie. We didn't. Why am I complaining about sequels for for movies that came out long ago? That's well, that's a you know based on the based on the description of this film. I think uh, that's that's pretty fair to be honest. Yeah, I I don't I know, man. I, I hope I explained it well enough. It's just greasers bad. Uh, <laughs> I mean, two, I, two kids good. I think you did a good job. I just think okay. it's still fucking. It's insane. very convoluted. What? Like, what do we really think about this? Like, in terms of, like, we're in a bit of a. St maybe we're maybe we're not in it anymore. I don't know, but we were at one point a Stephen King kind of renaissance. 
looking back at looking back at this now, like what? <laughs> Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa! We can't go into the past to to knock him down. Pegs. No, 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 like... no, no, no. What I'm saying though is like, are we gonna are we gonna start getting like good short story adaptations, or are we gonna get more of this again? Like, what where do we think this is gonna lead into I, in a I 2021 world? I don't Absolutely. think TV. I you really think the TV will just greenlight him to do whatever the fuck like they did before? Steve, what do you do, Stephen King didn't direct this or make it even? No, 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 no. But, but like to to have all these come out again, because like as Kyle was saying, like Stephen King stories are big again. So are they just going to greenlight a bunch of his short stories to get done? Yeah, they already did. Want... It, it, it's it's happening right now. They just haven't been filmed yet. Like they there's he's doing one. There's a who, okay. So, the this, one? so I haven't read what, I... what Kyle said is happening. So it's happening. I'm curious where it's going to go. Like, what's the quality going to be like? I I'll guess. tell you right now. Tom Jane is starring in one uh, that people know about that I haven't read, but it's a famous Stephen King short story. And okay. um, all the best Tom Jane movies are with Stephen King, so that's good. Yeah, but the thing is, now they're talking about how it's not going to be made because it's centered around cops, and everyone hates cops right now. And I'm like, okay, true, but like, can we? Fucking right, watch movies. Right. You please? mean you hang out can with movies 11s be... and you hang out with thirteens? Like... Can movies be movies, please? Like, yeah. don't give a give a fuck. Like, but oh god, I'm gonna get angry today. I mean, movies can be movies, but like, still fuck them though. You know what I'm saying? Gerald, <laughs> like, dude, uh, like Stephen King has just been releasing hit after hit after hit. Like, well, people have been using his material so well lately. I don't yeah. think we're back. See, back in the '90s though, like he he wasn't he wasn't Stephen King until like even after Carrie. Like that was so like in the seventies and everything. So by the nineties, I don't think he was big to the point. Like they just wanted to get his name on everything because it's so many hits. Right. They, yeah. That's that's what Kyle's kind of wondering though. Is like and kind of what I am is: Are they just going to grab from whatever in that well, or are they exactly, making yeah. a better, uh, more choice cuts? I guess. I guess because they this already, is a story that did not need one, let alone two other movies in the franchise. I mean, I, I, I'm not aware of any, like, huge, like, flops, obviously, that have come out of, like, the Stephen King universe lately. But I'm not saying they're going to flop either, like, this one you're talking about, Mitch. But I'm, it's definitely curious to me just because, like, the history of Stephen King adaptations just runs so thick that, yeah. like, even in this it's point. It's like, so in, weird. Like, and in like 2021, worst... yeah. like, now talking about this movie, Boozy, in, like, what, like, 20 years later is just is just kind of funny to me. Or 30 years later, almost. Yeah. yeah. And and Mitch, what is, oh, God, wasn't that movie that Diego Megas watched, a Stephen King adaptation? The Langoliers. Was, yeah. The Langoliers. And that was probably, like, top five worst movies I've ever seen. Uh, top three for me. And <laughs> it, it was painful. Like, yeah, I would put that on it. to murder people, too. Yeah, if it like see that's why I just asked if it was ninety minutes, I wouldn't be as mad. But Langoliers is like three and a half hours because it's a mini series, so it's, it's like it's offensively bad. Yeah, but the thing is, the problem with it too, and it's directed by a legend too, like Tom Holland who directed like Child's Play and Fright Night. Um, but the thing is, it's it was a made-for-TV adaptation that was twenty years early. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, remember those meatball things. Maybe... Maybe like adaptations, years. maybe t like TV adaptations are just at a different place now than they were then. I also think that I've just thought of this right now. I do think it helps that like a lot of these adaptations have stuck to horror. I really think that's the key because a lot mm -hmm. of like the a lot of the memorable Stephen King stuff from the 90s specifically isn't really that much horror. Like think about it, like misery is a horror film, but in a way it's not like the way it's a horror film. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and, which was also in 90. Which I well I guess <laughs> but like 
<laughs> or Gerald's Game or like any of these other yeah, any of these other big ones that come out in you know the past however long. Yeah, don't get lost in the semantics of years here, Mitch. Yeah, Gold but standard I, is. But what I'm saying is like I think the horror like really like distilling it down to like Stephen King as a horror writer and then having those be adapted in the present day has really helped this resurgence because. I, I do think sometimes got lost in the sauce of like adapting a lot of his dramatic stuff, which is great sometimes, but at the same time, like <laughs> he I got think, lost in the I think I lost the sauce because then it's kind of like if whoever adapt- was working on it got lost in the sauce. But well, <laughs> Stephen King wasn't making these movies. He wasn't making the movies, but I also think like they were just adapting literally everything he was doing, and then at they that point, it, famously it, didn't do that though. It That's what? the other every oh, time dude. I every couple of weeks. I hear about something brand new that was directed in 1989 or 1994 that was written by Stephen King. And I'm like, what the fuck? When did this happen? So that's all I'm saying. Also, I would I'll never, I would never, if, okay, I've, I've read, I'm not saying I'm a scholar at Stephen King, but I've read enough of his books and I've watched enough of his movies. You do not want to directly copy any of his stories directly to, like, a lot of his stuff requires fine tweaking because he does put the same type of things in. We've he's talked about really this forever. He's a really good writer. He is a very good writer, but he's very repetitive in a lot of his story themes. And I think it's because he takes so much from, like, Maine. And that's, like, a running joke even here is, like, everything's a fucking Maine. I yeah, guess see I, that, I just, that's never I but... More, I just want more R.L. Stein. I think that's all I want, actually. <laughs> that, you know the what? Whole, there you go. The whole main thing has never bothered me just because it's all in, Cal- like, it's his world, like Castle Rock and everything. I like, I don't know, I think we're going to go down a fucking rabbit hole if we continue this right <laughs> now. I need to make it clear. I don't I don't have anything against Stephen King as a writer or anything. I'm just saying, like, I think it's really funny that, like, there are far more adaptations of his work than I realize. And it's interesting to see that now as, like, we're getting a lot of great ones come through the woodwork, where that's going to go. And th- that's more or less what I, was, what I was trying to get to. Right. Okay, well, Dream Dreamcatcher remake coming at you. Um, <laughs> Go for it, I guess. The first two ones that I, I'm going to mention these two together, and then uh, you can knock off another one, Boozy, but these are both short. I don't have a lot to say about them. I just want to recommend... Uh, I w- I've been listening to the score by for Gretel and Hansel by Rob, who mm. did the score for Maniac, and uh, this is very different than Maniac. It's still... well. It's still got his that's, whole. Like, that's one of my thing. favorite scores ever, dude. Just, this Gretel and Hansel has become one of my fa- one of my favorite scores, and it's like I've seen the movie once. Right. I barely remember it because it didn't have a huge impression on me, but I remember liking it. But I want to watch it again because the, the the score without the movie though, like if if anyone's out there who just you know likes vibe and playing video games to music that's not too much. Uh, like chaotic or it's not too chaotic if you want to write to something like this is something that's really good Uh, but I just yeah I've fallen in love with this score it's so good so uh, in the next couple episodes you'll be hearing me talk about the movie again because I want to go back and watch it but yeah I never watched that I I really need to I actually want to peep game because it looked like it based on what you were talking about Mitch it seems like it it had a lot going for it but like maybe like the dramatic elements kind of pull it down a bit from what I remember you speaking it about does boozy, but oh. my, my, uh, my experience with it was like, it was good. It was just like, what well, it didn't blow me away or anything it, like dude, that. It, I just felt like it was very forgettable, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, but, uh, and the other one I want to mention is cause it just came out today. Granted, this episode is going to be out two weeks from now. That's why I want to touch on stuff that's current so that it's, you know, at least somewhat, current when we eventually put this episode out 
Uh, but I started The Sons of Sam, which is now on Netflix, which is a four-part documentary series on David Berkowitz and uh, The Son of Sam killings. I've only watched the first episode, but uh, these Netflix documentaries, these create like how it's just become so huge, like net like uh, documentaries in general, and especially oh, they're just spitting time. them out. Sometimes it's hard to know if you're about to get a quality one or not. Like I honestly, yeah. per, I personally thought like I gave up on the Cecil Hotel like two and a half episodes in because I was like, this is dog shit. Right. <laughs> I, I I was not well, into. Well, there's it, like how many Bundy and Ramirez ones they put out. The Ramirez one was really good though. The Night Stalker. There, there was multiple ones though. There was another one on, like there was another like in his own words or something. Yeah. Oh, that was Bundy, I think. Yeah. But this one, so I like I said, only watched the first episode. I think it's fucking awesome so far. The way that they're putting it together and the way it's all cut and you have real footage of the the people who living in New York in 1977, the summer that this was all going down. Like this guy killed more people than Jack the Ripper, and they talk about that like wow. in and he was got away with it and they still didn't know who he was like the the whole hunt for him took a long time uh well longer than i'm sure like multiple people died because they couldn't catch him because he's just crazy uh but highly recommend checking it out i'm looking forward to continuing it as soon as we're off tonight uh but i know boozy you're a big berkowitz guy like i know you've said he, he's probably top three <laughs> top favorite you know, people you know your fantasy serial killers <laughs> I was going to mention, um, and I'm glad that you gave me the, the pedestal to say this, is I actually was going to make this shirt, and it was going to have, like, the biker skull thing on the back, and it was going to say Sons of Samarchy. Oh, God. And, and I, you know, like, if you guys are interested in being in my, in my biker gang, we're, we're going to drive is... around with a snub okay. nose and oh, see sure. what happens. Okay, yeah, like, I'll, I'll join. I'll join. Okay, perfect. <laughs> I was, you know, I was hoping this is how this would go and that you guys would just say yes and not ask too many questions. You yeah. had a lot of bad ideas and that's got to be up there. I, <laughs> I'm at the point in my life where like I either get really into hockey or I become a biker. So it's really one of the two. <laughs> imagine. So me yeah. and Mitch have chosen our paths already then. <laughs> Can yeah, you imagine? No, no shame. No shame. I can't imagine you in either one of those settings. <laughs> Honestly, I think, I think Kyle being the biker out of the three of us is like the sweetest idea ever. Give yeah. it a couple well, years. Just give it a He would be years. like the half sack from Sons of Anarchy. He'd be a prospect. <laughs> You'd sure. be in there like, let me getting in your people lane, coffee. buddy. You'd be <laughs> the one getting people coffee, but secretly you'd be sleeping with the head of the club's wife. Yeah, that sounds exactly like me. <laughs> nice. We're writing pile fiction right now. That sounds exactly <laughs> like me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, so those are two two things. Gretel and Hansel score by Rob. Uh, if you And honestly, all of Rob's shit is amazing. Yeah. So just... You can go, he's on Spotify, so you can check, check, just look up Rob, and there's tons of great scores, but I really, really, really like the Gretel and Hansel one. Uh, Boozy, hit me with another one. Okay, I got, I got a couple more here for you. So I decided, I've, it, I've, it's been on my mind since I've watched it, so I just want to say shout out again to Hell House LLC. What a sweet movie. But I decided to check out the sequel because I believe there's three altogether. There's three. The Abaddon Hotel is two, is that? Yeah, which is the one I Lake just watched. Of, I think Lake of Fire is the third one or something, but I can't remember. So One of them is apparently good, or some people like it. I, I don't or... know. I'm, I'm assuming that if people said they like it, it's probably this one. Um, kind of a, a cool idea, follow-up story of them just... Well, I don't know. It's a very simple idea to begin with, with Hell House LLC is this evil house that's haunted or whatever, and they keep finding tapes or people go in, they never come out, stuff like that. 
So this one was kind of a cool one. This is like a faux documentary within it, and it's talking like camera people that that went in there to find the other people during the anniversary of when this was supposed to have happened. Uh, there's so some... it's the same fucking thing again. Basically, I think mm-hmm. I think one was really lightning in a bottle with with the idea of having like the haunted house attraction thing. This one just seemed like such a weird and because it it could have been an interesting idea if they did a straight up just. We're going to go see, you know, a camera crew that snuck, snuck over, you know, the night after just to kind of do whatever. But it's it's such a weird idea that, like, they, they make it seem like the house, like, summons all these different camera crews because there's, like, four of them. It, obviously, I'm exaggerating, but it, there's multiple camera crews. And it's just, it's such a weird idea. And then, like, they That's they a lot some... of video village in a fucking haunted house. Uh, well, that's the thing is that they, they kind of have, like, oh, these people got attacked here but they have the footage somehow i don't know because it, it ended up over here i don't know and it you know normally stuff like that doesn't bother me but it's just where they the stakes they make with this that this ho- the hotel is like such an evil force to think that people could just kind of wander through and just you know pick up tapes and come and go as they please really takes away from that maybe and i think this is just a very small well to pull from and i i really don't want to check out the third one maybe i will i <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, see, and that's kind of why I stopped, just because I really liked the first one. So it was like, I if they're not going to, you know, even challenge it a little bit, then I'm not even really that I just, interested. It's, it's a very impressive to me that, like, I can still, like, think about the first one and, like, how, how awesome of a film I thought that was. For such a, a small idea, they did such a good job in actually having creepy stuff in that. But yeah, I, I would say two probably stay away from, and and three I, I can't I don't know I don't think oh, I'm gonna check that out. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there's probably better th- probably things you'll enjoy more. Uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. I have two left, uh, so I will knock this one off. I checked out The Power, which is on Shutter, and this one, uh, yeah, it's a brand new movie from 2021. Uh, is this is this by Will I Am? Did Will I Am make this one? <laughs> the Power. <laughs> uh, that's no. Dat Power. Sorry, that's Dat Power. Sorry. Kanye West. Okay. This will be second episode this month. No one man should have all that power, you know? (laughs) Uh, Anyways, this one is written and directed by Corinna Faith, and it stars a bunch of... It's a very, like, low-budget film, um, or, like, I'm assuming it is. But 1974, a young nurse is forced to work the night shift in a crumbling hospital as striking miners switch switch off the power across Britain. But inside the wall lurks a terrifying presence that threatens to consume her and everyone around her. Yeah, it's been a while since I, like, I watched this a couple of weeks ago, but I wanted to save it uh, to talk about with you guys. Because I thought this movie was pretty pretty great. I was kind of actually thinking about maybe doing an episode on it at some point. Okay, so what was the name of this again? The, the, power. Pow- the Power. Just called The Power. What an interesting... Yeah, it's just, yeah, really, the, the thing, it has a really tight script. It's like an awesome idea with an amazing setting. So this is, it's set in like one of those creepy old hospitals, 1974, where all of the lights are going to be shut off for a certain amount of time. And like, that's what, that's apparently historically accurate that this would happen. Uh, I didn't know about that, but it's, mm. yeah, just like a really, it's a slow haunting. So this is the kind of thing that if you're into hauntings or possessions or stuff along those lines uh even though a lot of this stuff we've already seen it before but it's corinna faith's vision that i think you know injects a little bit more life into it and or at least new life into it i really like the score of this one too though because it reminded me of the ghostbusters like type of uh like you know the old spooky music that we'd hear like even in halloween stores like 
really like, i just i just love that kind of shit so, and, so it's uh, kind of like the the upbeat dancing ghost kind of well music. that's the thing but it was it's treated very straight like the film is very straight faced i think like okay. this is the okay. this is the type of thing kyle would like um okay but and I just, like that music too, bitch. I really do. Like, yeah. Even to, even to this, I worked at Value Village, and Value Village at Halloween time was a fucking nightmare. And oh, that okay. music played on loop. It was worse than Christmas. And even to this day, I I still enjoy. Kyle, okay. yeah. I can't imagine you at Value. Were you behind the counter, or were you? Just oh, I was on the floor. On I was everywhere. Yeah. I was on the main floors at the counter. I was I was scrappy back then. You know, dude. I was you were like employee of the month. You had to have been. I fucking love Value Village. I, I do, do too. Or, or savers, savers for our American listeners. Yeah, is that what it savers called, is basically savers, the same thing? Yeah. Is it the same chain though? Yeah, they're all owned by Walmart, so the it's whole weird that you know. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. yeah. So wait, so what you're telling me is people donate things. Yep, that's to right. Yep. Value Village, yep. which is owned by Walmart. Sorry, mm. Sam's Club, aka Walmart, but yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. No. The world's fucked. I'm sorry. I hate to. Br- anyways, anyways. <laughs> okay, <laughs> on right. shout out Value Village. Yeah. Last well, thing I'll say about. Oh, sorry. still shout out, but <laughs> uh, last thing I'll say about the movie, yeah, like it's it's really well shot. Uh, it's I'm a gonna very... go watch this like right after. Yeah, I, I think yeah, you're gonna really cool. like it, Boozy, because I'm, it... I'm looking at stills of it and it looks pretty cool. Yeah, and they they do they like all their scares are really like just pra- they're practical, but they're simple and effective and creepy. Like it's it's inventive film, like at least creative and inventive filmmaking at a lot of points. Uh, but like I said, all this stuff has sort of been done before, but it's about how they do it differently that, uh, I don't know, I, re- I really enjoyed it. I got really into this movie. Uh, but by the end, I would say that like, I'm not a huge fan of the ending. That's all I'll say. But it's still a recommend for me. Uh, it's on Shutter, so you can check it out anytime you want. But I know, Boozy, the one thing that made me think you would like it too is some elements of it reminded me of Session 9. And okay, it's cool. almost it's almost nothing like session nine in tone or like uh, visuals or anything like that. But it's the the way that you're fed the story and how it's almost plays out kind of like an RPG video game. But like, <laughs> don't let that scare you away. But it's just like it's classic okay. storytelling, you know, or she's she's going to different people. And each, each time her conversation gets progressively more fucked up or it leads her to the next person she's going to have the conversation with. And it's right. like. It's it's kind of like how they used to form plays back in the day. It's what they call a narrative. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> wow. Kyle with his big words. Well, yeah. What can I say? I read <laughs> that is what I, that, narrative. Is that that is what I was describing. Maybe I'm just too high today. But yeah, it's basically this thing is Ben Stiller's Night at the Museum. <laughs> um, but is it, but is this is Age of the Smithsonian. <laughs> yeah, but it's mixed with House of the Devil and the Black Coat's Daughter. Now you've sold me. That actually sounds sick. It's not it as good sound... as either of those movies, but it is good. It's yeah, an you had good me movie. At, at old fucking hospital lady yeah. in the 70s. Like, what a great concept. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe we should. I don't know. I mean, we don't have to solidify it now, but maybe this should be an episode. This could be fun to talk about more. There's a whole bunch of scares in this thing, and I just really admired the way that she pulled them off and lots of use of shadows and light. And uh, it, there's very minimal VFX. Uh, up cool. until I would say like the end, there's a little bit, but um, yeah, definitely for fans of if you like like the orphanage, the w- awakening from a couple years ago, the conjuring, like just that old style of horror movie, but mixed in with some sp- real spooky stuff. Cool. Some cool scene. Uh, yeah, I have one more, but boozy. It's, let's let's hear one more from you. 
Okay, <clears throat> this last one is not only a movie review, it is a warning. The unfortunate oh, part is that we're about, <laughs> we're about two weeks too late, so by the time this comes out, I'll have not been able to spare not many people. Anyway, I checked out 2021's Things Heard and Seen. Um, yeah, what is this? I don't know anything about this. Uh, Mitch, when you're going to edit this, if you can just insert a bunch of like toilet flushing sounds right about here, that'd be great. Or even when I oh, the, the Amanda Seyfried movie. Yeah, yeah. This is so. This is directed by Sherry Springer Berman and Robert Holtini, who are a directing duo. Uh, apparently, they have uh, had some things at Sundance. They've uh, had some Emmy award winnings. Oh please, you. How, oh my you God, have to, dude. This you is have director to mention American Splendor or. I mean, let's not forget the Nanny Diaries. Now that's okay. something that I once I, I watched four times in a row. Heard, have heard film. about this at all? American Splendor is amazing. Yeah, American uh, Splendor is amazing. It doesn't look like his other movies are. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, the only thing I've heard about is it's a new movie on Netflix. And yes, uh, it, it is. Uh, I noticed it because it was they were previewing it after stuff that I was watching, and it, it, it had some cool people in it, and. It looked like a cool idea for a story. And sure enough, it is a very cool idea for a story. But holy shit, if this isn't one of the most frustrating and like it was painful. This movie is very painful. And I think a lot of people are going to go in expecting a great movie and are going to be frustrated. I nearly turned this off. It's a haunted Um, marriage film is what it says on here. It is. It is uh, a haunted uh, revenge thriller story. It. It has some of the weirdest effects I've seen for Ghost. And it's, it's very funny. I actually wrote it down is that uh, after we did our, our Ghostbusters episode, it's very funny that some of the ghosts in this remind me of Ghostbusters-type <laughs> ghosts, even in how they move. Not only they have, like, a glow to them, and they'll smile and be like, hee-hee-hee, and then, like, coast down the hallway. Like Casper? Yeah. Oh, oh you're, selling, you're selling me on this. Dude, so, it is trash, and it's okay. So basically, what we're story here? It's the 1980s, and this this seemingly perfect couple and their child move back to this. Both of the uh, the 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 uh, man and the wife are both uh, writers, successful writers, and it's a good he, cast. It, it's a very good cast. Um, and how and how was the the husband though? Because he he's James Norton. I ha- I still haven't seen. Or no, he yeah, he's in Happy Valley, which is one of the best TV shows I've ever seen in my life. So anyone looking for an amazing so, TV show? I don't know. Like maybe he is the best actor I've ever seen play an insufferable piece of shit, or maybe oh. just he rubbed some of himself off on it. But he was frustrating this entire movie. And the unfortunate thing is, you spend so much time with only frustrating characters in this movie, and it makes everyone so unlikable. Hmm. Um. And, and there actually is, there's one point in this film, I don't know for anyone, if they ever do watch it, or there, there is a, a scene where, where there is snowing and there's like a family argument and it's, it's very beautiful and I was watching it and, and it kind of was like, I was like, wow, it sucks that it's in this film because everything else is such trash. Uh, <laughs> no, wow. this, I, I, I can't say enough how bad this movie is. It has no direct objective and the thing I think I hate most about it is it has such a cool idea for an ending that it set itself up for at the start that it just it doesn't deserve. Have you ever have you ever seen a, a a film where it does something it doesn't deserve? Like like this is too good of an ending for what preceded this. It 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 very much felt that way where it was it was an epic proportion like a biblical level ending for this. 
in this shit. And, and it's Jesus. frustrating. It is so oh, frustrating. Man. Natalie See, Dyer's in it too. I like her as well. Now I, I have Natalie to admit, Dyer, and yeah, like I have to admit though, Boozy, when when there's a film that you really genuinely hate, and not even like in a like a oh, it's like kind of bad, like just hard to watch because it's like I'm more interested sense. in watching these ones that he says exactly. Like when I look it's at something like this, that I, when I look at something like this, and I know it was at least made like competently to some extent, at least I can imagine, and you really hate it. I have to admit, it gets me kind of excited to, to check it out. <laughs> you <laughs> know, and and maybe there's a planet where like this is this is like a Scorsese level masterpiece, and I was just in a mood, but I can't see that happening. Like this, I, I, don't think I so. can't comment on it. Like, obviously I haven't seen it, so I don't even know if I'll like this, but you've got me intrigued, I'll put it that way. And I just wanna say though, like I am poo-pooing on it, but it, it's such a cool story. It's just every, this movie gets in its own way so often in terms right. of everything it does between trying to be this like murder mystery and trying to be this haunting that it doesn't know what the fuck it wants to be. It is two hours, so that's really the biggest takeaway I'm taking from it. And 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 that's the thing, though, is that when you when you eclipse that, Kyle, you'll definitely agree with me because Mitch loves all lengths of movies. Kyle, once you hit that certain point, you're like, okay, I have to continue sitting here. Like you know, once once it hits yeah. like an hour and forty, you're like, okay, I guess I have to watch the rest of this. So and you, yeah. I, got, I got more and more angry. Like I just sat there stewing on it. Yeah. But you gave it a two. That's not even two. Which is kind of almost respectable, <laughs> but your but your review uh, definitely does, drags does that it make down. Sense? The, yeah, the, the review is the best part. To be fair, but if you, you gave it a three, then it would be like a, a modern classic, like the. No, no, no. But no, I, well, I, I took into consideration. No, no, I took into consideration that we had talked about this before. Where like certain movies can't get ones or twos just because of how competently they're actually made. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like there was there was a level to like competence in this and there was I could see that some, totally some great ideas. And like I said, the story was a cool idea. And and I will say the ending is such a cool ending. And I and I just hate how much it's in this movie. So that's why like I think a two is is uh deserved. That's that's less than fifty percent. But like there's you know, there's some sprinkles of okay shit in this. Well, I mean you can <laughs> you you can still it wrote its still, name. You can still hate a movie <laughs> that you know is good. That that's totally fair. You know? uh, oh, God, uh, but I, I know it's not good. <laughs> Interesting. I mean, I guess shout out to Academy Award nominated actress Amanda Seyfried. I mean, but I mean, I, I, w- what, I what was she nominated for this Mank, year? baby. <laughs> oh, fucking so bad. I, still I thought maybe it, it was so, like, so boring. Like, it so, boring. Was... so boring and bad. Okay, okay wait, let me finish this. Let me finish this. Okay. Sorry. Before sorry. I, I just wanted to say, like, maybe I, I thought this was really muddled. Maybe it was because there was two directors directing it. Because that in itself is its own little thing, but apparently they've been doing really well at this, so it just comes down to being the strangest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, not well, probably look, not look, ever seen. But. Look at like uh, Dennis Woodmire and Kevin Kelsch, the guys who did Starry Eyes and the Pet Cemetery remake, and that Justin Benson, Aaron Moorhead. Like that stuff can work, and I'm sure. I think what it looks it like, it absolutely. Yeah, what it looks like is it just looks like the movie just wasn't good. And I'm looking on Letterbox, and uh, it seems like people mostly yeah. agree with you. Same here. I haven't. I'm not seeing many. I, this okay, has got so, me kind of excited a little bit. I, I only have one more. Do you have more, Boozy? Um, I kind of have one, but it's not really horror, so I didn't think I'd mention it really. I just, Is it, it the Mitchell's cartoon one? Yeah, I just wanted to say that that's my favorite movie of the year. I have to so far. It looks great. Yeah, I still haven't seen it, but everybody, everybody I've seen, every, I don't even know what it's about, but everyone that I have okay, heard or read I, has seen said it's fucking awesome. Can I can I give you guys like a quick throwdown please, of it? Please, please. Okay, 
So, so I just want to broach this with you know how forever Pixar was like the best, like they were just they still are, <laughs> like they, they were just like they were like batting a thousand, right? And they no still one are. else could really touch it that way, dude. Sony's there. Sony Shrek? just Sony, Man, Shrek? Sony just released like their <laughs> their, their, their Shrek? Magnus Shrek no, Dream, <laughs> but DreamWorks DreamWorks was up against it. and Sony with uh they did the Amazing Spider Man like uh. Into the Spider Verse. Well, that's what Boozy's right, saying. But, Boozy's but, saying oh. that Sony's is killing it right now. I'm sorry, yeah, guys. No, that's I what I'm trying to today. say. Oh, <laughs> no, I'm trying to I say is that like like Pixar episodes, was Pixar hey, is we're all here the only game in town in terms of that of having that that certain kind of style that that I'm not saying they were the only game in town, but they were kind of they were your standard, right? Like your right, your right, standard right. of like this is the top, this is the cream of the crop. Anyway, uh, I, I really think that Sony did take a bite, and I'm not saying anything against the Spider-Verse. It's just this is kind of Sony showing that, like, this is an original property. This isn't Spider-Man, right? Is it the same type of animation? Yeah, totally. Okay, and, and, watching and, it tonight. And, like, dude, same... dude, down to, like, there is, like, kapows and, like, weird sound effects. I, I just want to say that this... Bef- I, I'm sure there'll be a lot of great movies that'll come out this year, but this is hands down going to be my favorite movie. It is endearing. You don't find these kind of movies anymore. There's like, I, I don't I want... hate how you always make up your mind like six months before the year's <laughs> over. So even sometimes if there is something know, better, no, it's dude, like, this is, sometimes you just know. No, no, no. I'm not saying like there'll be great horror movies. There'll be great other stuff. But this is like in terms of hitting on so many different levels. This is like the sweet, like, I, I, I feel yeah, it's like okay. the warm fuzzies. This well, is the let's... warm fuzzies. This is okay, well, why let... Scott Pilgrim. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, let's wrap this episode up so I can go watch it. Um, I'm going to say <laughs> one one last movie before we get on to our main feature. I checked out Boys of County Hell, which is the new movie on Shudder that people seem to not be getting enough of. And uh, I am here to report and agree with the, the crowd that says this movie is a blast. Uh, it's an Irish vampire film. It's very much in, vein, in the vein of something like Shaun of the Dead. Uh, but I would say that it goes even dark like it's darker uh Shaun of the dead is like it gets heavy with like the human elements and the the relationships with the people who are involved uh in in this movie boys of county hell it gets just dark and i really appreciate that and it's uh it's a vampire film there's definitely like the movie leads off with a great homage to uh the slaughtered lamb of an american werewolf in london and uh, it's just a, it's a just a really fun good time i think it's a lean hour and a half it's available on shutter it's a vampire movie and uh, i think fans of the 30 days of night look of vampires are going to dig this so boozy i'm all in yeah i would say like this is better than that though just because like the the make it's all just makeup like there's very very minimal uh so how how violent is this very fucking violent and very uh, okay so i I shouldn't be expecting just a light dose of spookies (laughs) yeah no it's it's a it's a really fun movie and i i could see this thing ending up uh somewhere on my top 10 we we still got lots of year left to go how does does the comedy work in this one uh it's it's good but it's it's Irish, so it's like a, there might be a cultural divide for some people, but the okay. it's just generally you can tell that it's funny to so, them. But like, and, but like, is Irish is that like dry? Like, is that more akin to like British humor, or is it? No, like it's slap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's it's a, well, actually, you just hit the nail on the head. It's a bit of both. Uh, okay, wait, yeah, dry and slapstick. I mean, all right. Yeah, I'm down. Yeah. Kyle, you love your dry slaps. I actually do like a dry slap. Well, it's it's just high energy dry humor. 
mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. That's kind of what I, I mean. I feel you. I feel you. Have you ever seen an ostrich, though? Yeah, they're fucking weird, to be honest. Have you yeah, seen an ostrich-sized ostrich? Yeah, it's in my pants. Okay. Having invented a brother <laughs> whom they clay to have ostracized. <laughs> Oh, I love a good dick joke, but especially for Kyle. <laughs> it's because of it. Alright, everybody, welcome back to the Terror Table. We are about to do our main feature presentation this episode. We got a double feature on our hands here. We have a, I would, I would imagine quite a bit to talk about. However, like Mitch mentioned, we have several times already mentioned one of these films on the pod in several different capacities. But to start things off of our Yorgos Lanthimos double feature presentation, we'll be talking about 2009's Dogtooth, which of course was directed by Yorgos Lanthimos, which people might know from The Lobster or more recently The Favorite. I would say a lot of people probably know him for The Lobster, I would like to think, but as well as these two films we talk about. Yeah. Uh, this film was also written by uh, Yorgos Lanthimos as well, and another writing partner who I forget right now, but, you know, you guys have Wikipedia, so feel free yeah, to I just that. I want to see if you're able to pronounce his name. That's Oh, it's one of those. Yeah, I mean, like, for those who don't know, the, the, a lot of these actors, especially in Dogtooth, uh, a lot of them are Greek actors, and I'm just not going to even attempt to butcher everyone's Greek name. So I'll leave it, I'll leave it at that. Uh, conveniently, a lot of the character names are just like father, mother, and daughter. So that's helpful. Um, synopsis of this film, it's, uh, <laughs> I don't even know really where to begin with this one. So I just grabbed a snippet from Letterboxd. So take this as you will. Uh, three teenagers are confined to an isolated country estate that could very well be on another planet. The trio spends their days listening to endless homemade tapes that each of that teach each of them a new word or vocabulary. Any word that comes from beyond their family abode is instantly assigned a new meaning. Hence, the sea refers to a large armchair and zombies are little yellow flowers. Having invented a brother whom they claim to have ostracized for his disobedience, the uber-controlling parents terrorize their offspring into submission. So that, that synopsis might not make a lot of sense, and I, I'll also admit this, that I think... To some viewers, uh, this film might not make a lot of sense. There is a lot of potentially non, like nonsense type dialogue and things that happen in this film. But I need to make it pretty clear that this film is just—it's strange in a terrifying way. Like there's a lot of uncomfortable situations in this film that I'm sure we'll get into to some extent um, that really make it a unique watch. Um, before I pass it on to you two, I need to say this is the first movie that i've covered on the terror table that i've also covered on my old podcast the second viewing oh i feel dirty it's 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 a it's a bit of a full circle moment actually i'll have to say so it's an open relationship for those who want you can peep game on what i don't even know the number but there is an episode of the second viewing it's on spotify i can check that out featuring a good friend featuring good friend gavin baird he's on that episode oh nice or you yeah, could uh, just listen to this sloppy seconds episode, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 this is not. <laughs> is that, is that how you prepared for the movie? You just went back just and listened to that, that episode? No, I couldn't. I couldn't bear to listen to that. Anyhow, so in a way that really excited because I, I genuinely enjoy talking about this movie. And it's one that totally, like, I didn't know this movie existed until, like, I saw The Lobster. So it was really fun to go visit this or revisit this now and then 
kind of uh, sneak back into a bit of Yorgos Lanthimos' filmography over the years. Um, I, I don't know. Let's get into it, I guess. So, like, what do you boys think about Dogtooth? Uh, was this your first time seeing it? What did you enjoy about it? What did you hate about it? Let's let's get into it. Uh, can can I go first, or Mitch, do you want to go first? No, you can go first. Boozy, I'm okay. actually dying. I'm literally yeah. dying to know what you thought of this film. Here, I just want to read my first note of my of, for this conversation, and then, Boozy, you can take it away. But I wrote, sorry about this one, Boozy. Uh-oh. I hope I'm wrong, but let, I let's was, see. I was really worried that you were going to take my first note, which uh, I wrote down the same word a couple times. I don't know if you guys can see. Woof, woof, woof. <laughs> uh, most importantly, I wanted to start off with a quick woof, woof, woof. Shout out X. Yeah. Um, I just, I just want to say I had to watch this twice because I wasn't really sure how I felt the first time I watched it. Right. Um, I'm going to say I'm very 50-50 on it. I think okay. this is very experimental and weird. I think the horror truly lies in this complex story. And I, I think that you really have to sit down with these characters and think about why they are doing certain things because you do find them repulsive. Sure. But then you realize why, and it does humanize them a bit. And also, I just want to say everyone in this job... or. Everyone in this film did a fantastic job in portraying these twisted characters. Like to see grown adults portray kids and almost portray this this uh, kind of almost like animalistic also energy towards strangers. I think is such an interesting uh, uh, take right there. I have a lot to say, but I also want to know what Mitch thought. So I'm going to say like, yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of right down the middle on this. I think it, there's a lot of terrific stuff, but it's it's very. There's a lot of off-putting stuff. I think this is a very particular kind of film. Right. It's a Yorgos yeah, it, movie, baby. Yeah. But I that's... just I just want to say that this movie is less digestible than Killing of a Sacred Deer, if that's possible. Interesting. Okay. Oh, I, okay. by far this is less digestible. But like I I really like Dogtooth. I'm uh, I'm definitely a fan. I have seen it before. It was like a while ago. It would have been around the same time uh, with the lobster, like when the lobster came out. But I right. think with the first time I watched it, I had watched it in the wrong environment because it's one of those movies that I, I honestly recommend. What if you can't see this in a in a theater, like an art house theater or something like that, just watch it by yourself. Or if you're watching with someone who will respect that this is a type of movie that it relies solely on its mood and it's uh, to, for the execution to work. And sure, yeah. you you also need to you need to buy into you just need to be down for the for Yorgos's world the way that he writes films like I'll just get it out of the way right now I'm a I'm a huge fan I'm a huge fan uh but this I would say like out of the the only ones I I haven't seen uh Alps did you see Alps Yeah yeah Alps Alps is um it's more in line with this film I would say so if you if you if you dug oh, I Dogtooth do. I think you would you would dig that um I think over time like you were saying his films have got a bit more digestible so if this wasn't for you, I don't know if I'd recommend Alps. But if it was, then then peep game. This is one that I also watched twice because uh, I just wanted to really, you know, be able to talk about it. And this is such a complex, weird film. And uh, I, I, I'm a big, I really like it. I'm a, I'm a fan. Well, I think, I think uh, filmmaker David Lidge said it best, where he called this film a fantastic comedy. And uh, yeah, that, well, that's Lynch though, and that's <laughs> Lynch, no, and Lynch and Yorgos. This totally yeah. Is I mean, they're okay. Yeah, to be fair, I mean, I'm joking, but at the same time, there's definitely, in in a way, this film it has elements of like a dark comedy for sure. Yeah, there's totally like threads of that. 
that's what and see that's what i like about yorgos and his movies and particularly this one too is that there are so many people like out there who are trying to become their own david lynch and make their own mm. style of film and yeah. i truly think that yorgos did it and uh he has the same like he has not almost nothing in common with david lynch except for this is not wide mainstream media like he, he's yeah. making this it is a vision it is his art and uh he is interested in very complex and gross situations and characters and uh that's the thing that i, I love most about him uh, um i do want to say like what mitch has said about dealing with interesting uh or hard to deal with concepts and topics it is interesting that we are you know saying how how this amazing artsy film that really does straight up depict and encourage uh uh, uh you know, s- stuff with your your brothers and sister kind of stuff. Incest, and kind of it's stuff. It's incest. <laughs> yeah, is what I was going yeah. for. And and it's just, it's it's weird because you feel sorry for everyone involved in it when oh, it totally. does come up. Well, that stuff that like you were saying, Boozy, it all makes sense based on like the complexity of these characters. Because like you're right on paper, it's like what the fuck? Like why would I even want to watch a film like this? And, like, don't get me wrong, I think at the same time, like, that's a deterrent for a lot of people, justifiably so. Um, at the same time, though, like, the movie in its own world makes a lot of sense. And that's why right. we can, and that's why, like, the sort of Ex- hard exactly. to digest like, things it's, it's, work. It's a weird, it's weirdly justified if that makes sense. Well, it, it's, I guess, yeah, I guess it is justified, but at the same time, I think not, another... sorry, not justified, but like in, in these, in your characters' minds that they've been given this yes. world, this yeah, shut yeah, in yeah, world, yeah. to them, this is a justify, and that's kind of where I'm coming from. Well, I'll, I'll get it out of the way here. I consider this essential viewing. To me, this is what I call a banger. This is a, so like you want your parents to watch this. Yeah, absolutely. This movie fucking fucking slaps. I love. Would this you movie. watch this with your parents? Um, to be honest, no. There's a couple things that are awkward, but I would. Right. I would. I would suggest it to them. Like my parents would probably watch this and understand. Like, oh, that's just a Kyle movie. <laughs> it's one of those. Exactly. Well, and that's what I was gonna say too. Is like. Uh, Going back to it after, you know, it's been a little while since since the premiere of Begonia, but like there are so many uh, similarities and like you can just tell that that's a very like Yorgos is a DVI inspiration first and foremost. And yeah. like that's I like that. I, I've always kind of considered like one of these days <laughs> Begonia will be watchable for everyone out there. So I won't speak about it too much, but it's uh, I always consider that movie to be have threads for sure of, of dog tooth because that's one of the things I love about dog tooth is the fact that it, it, it's saying a lot <clears throat> and this, the scale of the film is so small in a way. Like there's only really oh, like a single location. location. And I mean, I fucking, I've seen this a million times on the show. I'll try not to get into it too much, but I love when a location can feel like a character in itself and feel really like earned and justified. And it's not even like in a hokey way. Like it's like all about like the, you know, the, the production of it. Which can be cool, don't get me wrong, things like Parasite are great for that, but this film does it in a really unique way because every time you're outside of the compound or the house, things are a lot more tense and scary and unknown and bleak and the colors are less, you know, interesting, that it's drab, it's like there's less hand like- jobs. There's less hand job. It's really, <laughs> there's uh, less kitty licking. It's like mechanical Mars. like a hand job. I don't know. But the thing is, is like <clears throat> for me, what I love about this film and it kind of goes into other Yorgos films for sure is like 
it's for me really teetering on the edge of total pretension, total pretentious nonsense. But the thing that makes it work for me is the fact that it's just really, really confident in the tone that it wants to go for. And it nails that confidence. Right. Because it's this like this is very tough subject matter to to go down. Well, it's 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 that too. It's definitely that's part of it, but it's also like the dialogue, the way characters it's the act ty- interact. It's the with type each other. of thing. It's the type of thing that dumbasses call a bad movie, but like well, it's not bad because you don't understand it or that you're not into that style. But it like that's the thing is it's intentionally uncomfortable. It's intentionally yeah. it's in, like everything everything that Yorgos does is mechanical. Like he has everything thought, and that's why I like I honestly we'll talk about it. Uh, but like the complexities of killing of a sacred deer, of dog tooth, of the lobster, like that he he's just so precise about everything and i love that but it's also great because even though it is so like calculated and like really specific at the same time he's still having a lot of fun with it there's still a lot of like he's never he's taking like the subject matter and what he wants to do with the story really seriously but not everything is taken seriously he's still having some fun with it things are a little bit silly at times like and it's to the point where that's that's why it works for me and i i won't i won't like sort of like compare them too too much but for me i actually prefer this movie a little bit more than killing a sacred deer only by a little bit and for me it's just because i do like a bit of a smaller story with a little bit less stakes that's just that's just kind of how i how i prefer right because this is really just a family drama when it boils down to it a exactly very odd family drama but I, th- I think the like the really calculated nature of this film and a really like kind of scaled down small package works really really well mm-hmm. however we'll get into it that he's gone to prove that he can do that on a larger scale and and ev- even larger with like something like the favorite to an extent so mm-hmm. i don't know i don't know i don't know how much like we really want to get into like the nitty-gritty of this one but like what were sort of things about this film that stood out to you like because we've kind of gone in reverse in a way like for you boozy this is the first time you've seen this is that yeah. correct yeah. So what, 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 like knowing what you know about killing the sacred deer and how you like enjoyed aspects of that film, mm-hmm. like, were you expecting this one to be as kind of like nutsy and like balls to the wall, like weird in places? I, I or think, what, what were you expecting? I guess. I think it's, it's very interesting in that it does have those small elements of violence. It has small elements of violence that killing a sacred deer has a, a larger amount of. So you, you are seeing those sprinkles of it. But I mm-hmm. find that this movie it, inherently is just so oddly sexualized in a way that there was there's always a weird sexual tension within killing a sacred deer there's many odd sexual tension scenes as well as full-on sex scenes but this one treats it in such a strange manner because it it is all very mechanical you can kind of totally and you can you can very see where it's kind of like in a weird way kind of how like farmers deal with like chickens you know like they're just you know they're putting the hen and they're putting the rooster yeah. together that's all that and it's it is very mechanical and you're the entire time it is very interesting and fun i guess fun i'll say loosely in trying to figure out where it's going with all these characters because you do feel and i i will say again with how those actors and actresses played uh the more childlike characters it, mm-hmm. there is a weird sense of like whimsical fun where you're trying to figure out what's going on in their world because they they do a good job of representing that that like childlike mentality because you have kids you know they're playing with little airplanes and stuff like that and but they're adults you know, yeah yeah exactly and they're talking about you know uh they're talking about playing like hide and seek and stuff like that and then like the one the the boy crawls in the bed during you know because he's had a bad dr- dream you know and they they do it in such an, an earnest way where you mm-hmm. you do look at them actually like because it, it could be very hard to 
to lose that. You know what I mean? Where it's just like, uh, this is very weird that there's a, a grown man who's doing a terrible job of acting as a grown man or as a child. You know, oh, I like see it, what you mean, yeah. it, 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 it required a very, a very great uh, cast to do that. And I, I just think that it is a fun story to to dig into and just figure out like why they're doing these things. And that that's what I'm saying is like, I would say 50% is that there is a large part of this that is all very off-putting things. Right down to Kyle, you showed me a movie where they straight up just kill a cat, and I'm still okay with it. <laughs> I, I see, thought about that. Yeah, I thought that's why I said. It. That's why I said sorry about this one, Boozy. Like right off the top, because I thought that was for sure going to be like if he like I can all like I felt like there's almost no way right. he would have liked it before that. But then when that happens, I'm like, yeah, he he gone. <laughs> Boozy ain't gone. Like no, no, no. One. Like I, it's not like like if they spent like a Jellicadu amount of times hunting this cat, then maybe I would have had more of a problem. But it was it was quick and fairly painless. I guess, like, yeah. all those things you're kind of speaking to, Boozy, really show, like, the, the to me, what's, like, the real horror in this film is, like, the horror of, like, how much your environment can shape who you are, right? Because yeah. these it's people... What they're su- yeah, they're subjected to, and, and, yeah, you're looking at an outside perspective going, like, oh, you know, this is inhumane, where to them, they're kind of living a fairly normal life to them. It's, nor- it's normal well, it's just, to them. Exactly. Be- behavior and behaviorism, like, how, how you're brought up absolutely impacts yeah. you, like, you know really specific way like this or like you know more lingering cases as well i mean everyone can relate to that to some extent right so this is just a really like highlighted sort of like how i talk about my parents divorce on almost every single episode is that what you mean um i don't really remember you ever bringing that up that's i'm really sorry to hear that man that's crazy but I, I guess it would, it would be Whoa, like that. dude mitch, mitch your parents are divorced i'm so sorry man i'm so sorry to hear that i just really like this close-up shot of your coffee table boozy <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're uh, it's falling an in reverse now. choice. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I don't know, Mitch. What do you think? Like going back to this one, what, what was it like on a, on another rewatch for you? I really, really, really like this movie, and I I'm just a fan of Yorgos' stuff in particular. But I just like unique voices, and I think that the coolest thing about like sniffing ether is a game to these characters, and yeah, that's amazing. Good. Like I, and I, I yeah, it's like it's a game to them, and it's a lifestyle to us. But that's what <laughs> that's what exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Yorgos is just he creates these people and these characters in this environment and he has like it's all so sinister and dark he always has that in it but he, he most definitely the humor is there Kyle like I, I, I was going to say that before that I, I think this movie is very funny at a, a couple times and he's for sure meaning that like he's this that's his intention I think everything that happens in the movie is per his intention yeah it's like but, it's like everything that happens happens for a reason, but it also happens like in the context of where these characters are at. So like there's a lot of weird layers happening here. And I think that's definitely where like some people would just get lost in this and go like this just fucking sucks. It's just not for me. And I'm not like that's totally valid. Like as much as I love this film and like I really would recommend it wholeheartedly to my And friends. you think you're better than anyone who doesn't like it? <laughs> They definitely, I definitely yeah, Kyle, think cut that. the bullshit. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I got I mean, like, I have to be self reflective and just know that, like, this isn't a movie for everyone. That's just a oh, fucking absolutely. fact. That's just a right. fact. And that's, and that's why I think it's hilarious when you say it's essential viewing. Not that this I is do a fantastic think, movie, but, like, I, it's because, I don't want my parents to see this. I think, but how do I put this? It's challenging. I challenging. It is challenging. I think that's, that, that's what it is. I think this is a pretty, like, hard to swallow version of, like, what mm-hmm. film, filmmaking like this could be but 
<laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> I, it's, it's just like, I guess the way I think about it is like, sometimes I like things that just go like balls to the wall, like really take one like sort of tone or concept or theory or whatever it may be and just take it to the like the, the left or the right, like as far as you can, whatever side you're going to go. And I think this is an example of doing that in a really, really effective way. Um, and the next film we talk about to me is doing that in a, in a different way, not necessarily a bad way. But what I like about this is it's just a little bit like, just a little bit fucking nonsensical. There's something about it that like, I don't think you could fully replicate it. And that's what I, that's, that's what I really like about it. So no, you, totally, yeah, you, totally. you like the like ambiguous nature throughout the film and how he just kind of gives you like the smallest of breadcrumbs and well, totally and then it comes into a pretty like like roarous climax that's the thing that really stands out every time i watch this film it's probably like my fourth or fifth time watching it now it's like the film is kind of slow there's sort of like, like you're saying breadcrumbs like you can piece some of it together you might find some parts important some parts not important i don't know but by the time the film really ramps up the music's ramping up a bit the shots are a bit more shaky a little less calculated it's energetic like, yeah, there's a lot the energy, of like, energy. He picks up the energy always in the last like 20 minutes. And, and it's yeah, oh, it's so like you're totally too. Exactly. Actually, that's a good point. They both yeah. really do that. And here I find it just really energizing because the rest of the film, I'm like really kind of wondering where things are going to go, what's going to happen, even after seeing it all these these times. And every time that climax really fucking kills it. It's it's great. Yeah. yeah. So I just have to ask, what what is your guys's take on the end of this film? Oh, sure. Because we... they leave it at a very ambiguous. I don't know if we want to talk about it, or should we just no, leave we, that we, to the we, audience? No, we like, we should. I because that I absolutely want to talk about it because I just want to know what Kyle thinks because I still don't know. But the first, oh. like, let, we'll just kind of wrap this one up and then get on with. Are you guys cool with that? Like, yeah, we'll, let's do we'll, that. totally. The final little bit will be us talking about the ending. But I just want to say though that like I've seen some very strange hand jobs in my day, but this was for <laughs> sure the strangest one I've seen at least this year on screen. Um, oh, yeah. Like well, this year in particular, but well, hold you... on. I think Will Smith has a movie coming out. Oh, what? <laughs> Jesus, but, I uh, got to pick Willie way too much. <laughs> yeah. But I just like, like I, it's to, to just describe Yorgos's like vision, like, and what, how, how things kind of just play out that woman just staring and emotionlessly telling that dude how to eat that coochie was like, really? <laughs> I can't yeah, right. it, Exactly, but I like I don't know, Boozy. You you've always told me that you're a guy who does it bottom to top repeatedly. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Is that true? Is this a proven technique? I've always told you. I just <laughs> yeah. imagine us sitting around a circle, like cross-legged, like guys. This is how you do it's one it. of those things, Boozy. Like can't not bring up. Like every like yeah, conversation, exactly. it's like, like the third or fourth oh, thing he brings up. Here we go again. Boozy. Yeah, like I, I'm the worst person to take out for like ice cream. It's like we're getting ice cream cones. It's like don't bring Boozy. He's gonna tell you how to lick the fucking cone. <laughs> I calls it the Christopher Drew. <laughs> Oh man! But no, before uh, before we move on to the the ending, Kyle, have you seen the Wolf Pack, the documentary? No, I've been meaning to watch that for a long time. That's the family that like grows up on film, right? Is that right? Yes. So recommend to both of you actually. Yeah, it's yeah. the this documentary, and I watched it a couple of years ago. But it's it's called the Wolf Pack, and it's very similar to Dogtooth, but it's real life, and it's these this family who 
was basically just they they grew up inside their apartment. Like there's I think there's three or four oh, brothers. Yeah, I, have, I always I've forget heard of this. Yes. They just they make their own home movies. They they make they redo scenes from Pulp Fiction, Star Wars. All they have access to is movies. So they just grew up on it. And keep in mind, this is all real. Like these people didn't see the outside until they were in their twenties. Wow. And so it's a yeah, really they were interesting. Like no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it uh, I will say like <laughs> Wolfpack is not like Dogtooth in the way that like it's not gross, it's not fucked up in that in that sense. It's just it's right. really yeah. I just you love those guys. You you like Kyle. You're gonna love that dog. You just yeah, fall in I love, should, you fall in love with those guys. That. Kyle, um, I just want to say that that you're wrong on one level, and that's okay. that Starry Eyes has a better uh, dumbbell smash in this movie. Which one's Starry Eyes again? Wait, you, you did you is say that the neon, is that the Neon Demon ripoff? It's no, not a it? Neon. The one uh, that predates it's Neon a Demon, much, a much better version. Yo, that movie. I, mean, I remember I like movie, we were like but... telling Kyle to watch it because there's that dumbbell smash scene in there, and there was one in here, and I'm like, yeah, it's okay, but I mean, like, I know. love the effect in this one, like when she's throwing a fucking dumbbell in her face. I thought that was awesome. <laughs> oh, uh, right, 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 right. Yeah, it's I remember ranked. Starry Eyes dumbbell now. Actually, <laughs> okay. I yeah, yeah. what I can I can't remember. I like I've seen Starry Eyes multiple times, and I can't remember a dumbbell scene. It's, Maybe um, really? Well, it's been a while. Okay. Been a while. I also watch five thousand movies a year, yeah, so it's I like I don't, like, I, I don't know how. No, it's like I just don't know how else I would explain. Like to be like, Mitch, it was this scene because it's like, well, shit, it was the dumbbell one. It's kind of yeah. there. I don't even know the context, but I know. Yeah, I no, no, I don't even know. The, I don't even remember the context <laughs> either. I just had should, to rub that be... in Kyle's face. Oh, yeah, no. Kyle, can you? Because you've had a lot more time to sit with this one. Well, I, yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't know if this is like. This is just how I guess I look at the movie. I don't know if this is what, what Yorgos had intended, but I mean, I think we have like the oldest sister sort of have her breaking moment, obviously, right? Like she totally is wrapped up in like what she believes from her upbringing and her environment. And then also like what she believes herself and like what she wants from life to the point where it breaks her. So the well, that and she has to fuck her brother. Well, yeah. Well, she has to. So she she's like following. Well, I mean, he chose her. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's like, but she's following every single rule and obligation that her parents put towards her. Like, she's not really questioning anything like that. But she's questioning mm -hmm. what what she wants out of life. And like you're like what you're saying, Mitch. Like after like that traumatic experience, it just things spiral out of control yeah. for her. And she knocks her dog tooth out because she can be set free if she ever loses her dog tooth, which her parents told her. And well, then so she the only... regrow it, though. She forgot that part of it. No, she I puts guess, it in his yeah, boot. Does no, no, no. He, he said you have to, you have to knock it no, out no, and you, then wait until right. it regrows, and then you can escape. Yeah, but at the same time, he they said that the only way you can get out is on cars, in, in a vehicle, so that's why right. she went to the trunk, so she probably right. was like... You well, know, she this just, one's for good measure. I think <laughs> she just figured that it would grow back eventually. So she yeah, just right, took, I, right, I think, right. I, but that's, that I, fuck, I forget who wrote this, but I, I wrote down a quote that I found online just saying that, like, the idea was the kids lived in an unstable equilibrium all the time. The tiniest of nudges was enough to bring the tower crashing down. Yeah. So, right. It was kind of like family Jenga, but well, pretty seeing, much. That's, that's why seeing, yeah. seeing Footloose really caused all this. <laughs> <laughs> really did. That's why you start another like, family lost to yeah. Footloose. I also I appreciate any movie that features a man beating the fuck out of someone with a VCR player. <laughs> that was some wild shit too. Yeah. And also just Crazy. thinking, you know, like 
Wow, what an innovative! I, I loved. Him to yeah, do that. I loved when he put the the footloose. I, I think it was footloose because she does the footloose dance at the end. Or mm-hmm. Is it is that what it's I'm footloose. thinking? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, yeah. But just when he like wraps, it, he like does the Edward Forty hands. <laughs> <but> the, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, actually, there's another scene in this, and I don't know if you guys took that from it, but when she's they're in the pool together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that was supposed to be like an homage to Jaws, to the fact that she was being like the, the shark attacking people oh, in the pool. Oh, interesting. That, totally. that was like her oh, acting out. Because yeah. so she could have been fed Jaws. Yeah, because yeah. uh, yeah, she talks about she, another movie as well. She Well, she also does the Rocky. That's when she's the swimming Rocky up the one. Yeah, yeah. yeah there, there's I, a bunch of And it's all kind totally of the bigger right. films. And you kind of right. notice that as she's getting those tapes, that's when she's acting out more. Absolutely. That is what, uh, oh my um, God, I can't believe I missed that in Boozy I just, I just want to, to say though, like what the ending is, what did you guys take from it? Because like, I, like there, there's two outcomes to this ending and like, it's like, where do you think it went? I think, I, well, I think she died and she, she went to the greatest stakes she possibly could to find sort of like right how she could still follow what she believed growing up and but still find her own like freedom and that led to her death because yeah. she was set up for failure essentially yeah so so she just suffocated in that trunk i think yeah that well, I mean, a lot that more or her injury shot. from smashing herself in the face with a dumbbell yeah <laughs> right. one of the no, two and, and, and i think about that and it is it makes the movie like 10 times more depressing because no he doesn't show you that but you're you're you basically have to sit and think about it as the credits well, roll is you know it's really similar to the ending of uh the lobster actually in a lot yeah. of ways right yeah. and i haven't seen the lobster oh you should totally recommend i mean it's not necessarily a horror film but it's a great film no you'll you'll really like the lobster though but uh, i would say the lobster's my and this i really like the lobster and it's my least favorite yorgos that i've seen really um i, yeah. I don't even know where i'd rank them I, I really like them all to be honest especially yeah. the most last like four recent ones are all bangers should we but, uh should we get into going. this section? Yeah. Okay, let's do it. We, we don't have to worry about nothing. Cause we got the fire and we're burning one hell of a something. They, they're gonna see us from outer space. Yeah, I'm really sorry about Bod. It's nothing serious. No, it is. Like we're the stars of the human race, human race. Where did you two go? When the light started. How did his father die? A surgeon never kills a patient. An anesthesiologist can kill a patient, but a surgeon never can. Don't be scared, Mom. You'll see. You won't be able to move either. To get used to it. Where is she? What did you do to her? We're gonna let it burn, burn, burn. I don't understand why I should have to pay the price. Why my children should have to pay the price. It's the only thing I can think of as close to justice. We can light it up, 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 so they can put it out, out, out. Okay, everyone, let's move on to the next film from our double feature. This is 2017's The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Again, directed by Yorgos Lanthimos, uh, written by Yorgos Lanthimos and another uh, <laughs> Greek uh, person who uh, I'm not going to try and fuck up their name. Uh, this one, though, has a... 
a, a very different uh, cast of characters and uh, a lot of notable faces, starring, uh, of course, Colin Farrell, who we all know from SWAT, Miami Vice, Horrible Bosses, <laughs> things like that. Um, Daredevil. Daredevil. You'll be, oh, he's going to be the Penguin in the new Batman, so look out for that. Yeah. Um, Colin Booth. We got Nicole American Pittman. Outlaws. Let's just keep naming Colin Farrell movies. Can you guys think of any other ones? Uh, that's I did American, American Outlaws. That's a pretty deep pull. What is? Oh, uh, Seven Psychopaths. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, yeah. dude, phone booth uh, in was Bruges. A good one. Oh, in Bruges. Bruges. Oh, yeah, it's a good oh, one. Fucking Bruges. Yeah. yeah, that's that's key. I so think, yeah, we I got like Col- we got yeah. Colin Farrell. We got Nicole Kidman. We all know from Dogville, Birth, Happy Feet, The Golden Compass, <laughs> Aquaman. Are you are you kidding me? These are all Nicole Kidman films. Household names right here. Aquaman, she's hilarious and it's fucking sick. I'm going. Uh, I'm talking about Aquaman on a podcast in like two weeks. Oh man, Go, that's yeah. gonna be a blast. I love that yeah. film. Good Me shit. Too. Uh, then we got Barry uh, Keoghan. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Sorry. Uh, I was he, gonna ask about that. He's an interesting fella. He was in Dunkirk. <laughs> the one thing I wrote down for Dunkirk is I don't remember a thing about Dunkirk. Unfortunately, I really need to watch it again. That was feel, a good movie. I, that was I a honestly, really good movie. I think I would maybe get more out of it the next time I watch it. The first time I just thought it was just awesome, but not for me. It was just what I thought. So, yeah. anyway. So anyway were were you, like, offended by Tom Hardy? Was that not I wasn't offended by anything. I just just didn't stay with me. I don't know. I think I just no, need to watch I, it again. If anything, the my favorite part about Dunkirk is how they found a way to cover his mouth again so that because <laughs> he just can't talk, apparently. No, nope, like How many fucking roles do they need to cover his mouth? And maybe I'm just dumb, but I feel like that was the that was finally the Nolan film that I couldn't follow. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I had no idea what was really happening a lot of the oh, time. Oh, yeah, no, I to, Interstellar for me. <laughs> I mean, like, like I, I guess said, I followed I just, it. It was just bad. <laughs> this this kid's gonna be in the Green Knight as well, which is a movie coming out this year finally, which looks really cool. That's David Lowry's new film. He I did. Can't wait for that one. He has a really interesting filmography. He did like Eight Them Body Saves. I don't know if he did Chernobyl. No, um, he's in Chernobyl. Are you talking about Barry oh, Coogan? I am, but I'm saying the director of The Green Knight, David Lowry. He oh. did uh, Peach Dragon, Ate Them Body Saints, A Ghost Story, which is a fucking great movie. Not a horror movie, even though it's a ghost film. But The Casey Affleck one? Unfortunately, yes. Yeah, no, well, I, I really, oh, and Rudy Mara. I really like that movie. I That was my favorite movie of 2017. The favorite movie of this year, I, I love that movie. Well, it's because you're pretentious. Yeah, I am. Yeah, and it's in square formats. Ooh, Absolutely. spicy. Yeah, um, like you're you're not you're not just allowed to like what you like. No, not <laughs> at all. Yeah, and you. When have you ever? Oh, I guess there's been a couple times, but that's. I just people who are fans of this kind of stuff generally like they take flack from everyone else because they're like, oh, you're so you must be up your own ass. It's like no, you know, just some people like different kinds of movies. I just so, find them more. I just things like a ghost star is just like a. Like a, I don't even know. It's like a more, more emotional thing, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, actually, this guy's going to be in the Batman as well. So him and Colin Farrell will team up one more time after Killing the Sacred Deer. Uh, so oh, Yorgos' future Batman movie coming up. <laughs> that would be sick. The, They're the starting by poaching that. his actors, and next we'll just get him. The other, the other kind of notable uh, casting crew from this is a uh, Sonny Sulik. He's in this film. You guys might know him from the house with the clock in its walls, which I just oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh uh, no! It, are we talking about the kid? Yeah, and he's from mid '90s as well. That yes, yeah. and I. Ju- it was funny because uh, I total happenstance when I put this on the other night. Like I just like was obsessed with it or whatever. 
um, was looking for a movie to fall asleep to, and I put on mid nineties, forgetting that it was the same kid. Funny, wow. I was like, oh damn, that was a weird double feature. Yeah, he's not really listed as coming up in too much stuff, but he for a while there he was kind of like the oh fuck, he's gonna be the, the coolest kid ever. He's the kid from Room. What's his name again? He's oh in Jacob thing. Tremblay. He's not like the A twenty four Jacob Tremblay for like a couple of years there. <laughs> he's like Jacob Tremblay, but gonna be a school shooter when he grows up. Huge no, huge no, huge no. So that huge. that leads, that leads us huge. into our, our next uh, actress, Alicia Silverstone, who we all who, who we all know from the Canadian animated series Brace Face, where she voices Sharon Pitts, right? Or Excess Sharon Pitts. Excess Baggage with Benicio del Toro, a movie that nobody remembers except for I. I mean, I just remember Diver Wimpy Kid: The Long Haul. She's in that. And Beauty Shop. What about um, Clueless? <laughs> Yes. Clueless is awesome. Clueless Clu- is great. So I don't know if you've noticed, but I, I keep leaving off the good movies. So oh, I'm, I'm okay. more so interested you're... in Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed, Batman better... and Robin, and... I want to see if you're going to make fun of this one. Uh, which one? Scooby-Doo? I like Scooby-Doo. No. There's another one that she's in that's fucking great. Blast <sighs> from the Past. Which one? I, I must have left it out. Maybe it's good. That Blast one. from the Past. I've with never Brennan, seen that. With Brennan Fraser. I don't even Christopher Walken. Don't never uh, heard of Brennan Fraser is a confirmed killer. Blast from the Past is amazing. Anyways, yeah, we, just, can we stop talking about cast? Let's just I, talk about I, the movie. What yeah, I, what fuck I, the cast. What I'm trying to get at though, with all this pre-ramble, is like to me, this is kind of like Yorgos in his full form, getting a nice big budget, you know, a, a real like platform to display what the man can truly so this present. is his like final frieza form it kind of like maybe oh, maybe we haven't actually seen this movie i mean i still have a lot of high hopes for whatever he does in the future but i think it's funny and actually really interesting to watch this and dogtooth as kind of like a, a double feature in this case because they're really similar in a lot of ways but this really feels like a fleshed out dog tooth in some respects. I, I absolutely think that. And I think the cast is evident of that in a sense, because it's like, who the hell casts Alicia Silverstone without knowing that there's a reason you want to cast her? It, she kills it in this movie. Like She's in the lodge. Is she really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, For well, the first, I, like, four minutes. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know the production history of the lodge, but I'm going to shout out Yorgos. I think Yorgos <laughs> put her on the map again a little bit. So, oh, to some extent. Is, yeah. Uh, the, those are the people who did uh, the Good Night Mommy. Right. I, I, I guess I'm just thinking, like, when I see someone like Alicia Silverstone starring in a, like, a more recent film, I'm always, like, having my fingers crossed. Like, oh, man. I love that. Like, it's like Aronofsky yeah. casting Brendan Fraser. It's, it's, it's awesome. Exactly, it's, it's exciting yeah. to see those folks kind of, like, get back into action like, again. The, People were probably feeling that way when Tarantino cast uh, John Travolta. That's Guys, exactly. That's do you exact. realize if Brendan Fraser kills one more person, he's a serial killer? Jesus Christ! Are you talking? You're you're mixing him up with? Uh, or am I missing something? I've been off the internet a lot lately. Am I missing something? I don't know what's going on either. Are you, <laughs> I'm just implying that he's a killer. What, who what? did he kill? Who did he kill? No, that's the uh, the guy from Godzilla. But I just tried and put it on Brendan that's Fraser now. Yeah, I'm just yeah, trying to Matthew switch it Broderick over. actually that. killed someone. It's true. Well, yeah. maybe Brendan Fraser did too. Like, he hasn't been in a <laughs> no, lot of least, shit lately. Fucking no, no, I will not let this fly. Do not, do not put down Brendan oh, Fraser. Oh, are you yeah. going to stand up for Dudley Do Right, Kyle? I absolutely will. Yeah, I love Monkey Bone. I cannot let yeah. this happen. Anyways, <laughs> I I had a blast watching this again because my my memory of Killing Mr. Gator was actually more blurry than I remembered. Like, watch this again. There was a lot of like key points that. I totally forgot about it. Really fell in love with again. 
I so I mean it's pretty obvious I guess at this point we all fucking love this movie to some extent. But oh yeah. Like, what what did what did we what did we gather this time around? Shit. Yeah, I oh go ahead. Yep. Shit changed for me this time. Like I uh so like hands down if we'd be recording our decades list uh, a few weeks from now this would have been on my list for sure of my favorite of the last decade like this was i only saw killing a sacred deer when it first came out and i really liked it i remember just thinking like that's fucking wild like what that's what he does like it's it's weird no i didn't see in the theater but i saw it like as soon as it came out um but yeah so i just thought it was super fucked up like obviously but it was just enjoyable because i just i liked I like everything about this movie, man. I think it's actually like a masterpiece. Like, I think this movie is damn near fucking flawless. And I think that he's so fucking brilliant in specifically this film. But like the man's also the king of the dolly shot, uh, which you get a lot of in Killing of a Sacred Deer. And I love that. Uh, there's so many scenes, like every hospital scene. Uh, it's like the the camera's moving so fast with the rest of the crew. It's just like so wide too. like everything. Yeah. Everything's wide. Like the scale dog- of the the scale of the humans feel like really small and like minuscule to everything else yeah. that's going on. Yeah. Was it, was it dog tooth that was shot on only one lens? I don't know, but that, I think it was. Cool. Yeah, I think it was. That's crazy. That's, but yeah, I, I know for this film that except for the exterior shots, everything is practical lighting. There's no like, Oh yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. And that's, yeah, I don't know. I just think, uh, like I love the human nature element of all of of all of his stuff, and this one is just soaked in it. The guy dabbles heavy in allegory, which is something that people get they always get shit on for being pretentious when you mess with any types of allegories. But I'm like that I'm that guy who I fucking unabashedly love Darren Aronofsky. I love Noah. Noah's awesome. <laughs> Noah is <laughs> awesome. Noah's yeah. awesome because it's like goofy. <laughs> yeah, it's the fucking it's it's a it's a famous story from the Bible, but played yeah. out like The Shining. That's sick. Like the no, ending is like The Shining. It's so fucking good. I'm not uh, really familiar with like the fable this is based on, but that's kind of what you're getting at. There's like this is based on a. I didn't know that actually. Oh yeah, really? it's, it's based on a biblical fable. Yeah. Um, oh, I, I don't. I don't up know the actual. Know that. like, oh, that's funny because yeah, I mean I, I guess going... it kind of resonates a little bit through the film right. for sure. I don't. Well, I don't know the true ins and outs of it, but basically this this guy accidentally kills this uh, this deer's fawn or whatever, and then the deer's basically like, "You have to give me something in return, like a life for a life," right, and right. it's basically how they don't like own up to it, and things just keep getting worse and worse, which is. Like the basically what like the deer is Martin in this and uh, gotcha, Colin gotcha. Farrell's Carol character is uh, yeah I don't, I don't know like Perseus whoever the fuck they said in the <laughs> <laughs> yeah Perseus I didn't know that. them clapping ass cheeks I didn't know that what I took it as is very similar to Dogtooth in the sense that these people are just strange and they were they're built different. Uh, <laughs> But they, they, yeah, they were raised differently. And there's also like the allegories. Oh, what, what I, what I took from it is like animals who operate on instinct and instinct only. That's like pretty much who this family is. Well, they, I, I think there is sort of like this, like you want, you kind of have an expectation of how humans are supposed to react in situations like this. And like the way yeah. they react aren't necessarily how maybe we would react or how even like in stories we're used to seeing people react. So it, well, it's, 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 it's how your tra- traditional main character who you're stuck with the majority of the film. It's how they would are supposed to react to their situation they're in where they basically keep escalating things by not 
owning up to like it just it, everything just continues to get worse but there's also a thing about like where i was getting at with like the allegory of the deers is that uh their urge to protect one of their calves but kill the other one or eat the other one okay. um and that's something that you see a lot of in this movie like i one thing like i didn't pick up on a lot of that the first time like how colin farrell favors the daughter and the mom favors the son uh, sure. or like nicole kidman favors the son and there's so much there's so many different scenes that are just built on watching watching the, those specific things play out and know how that's going to be very important come the time he has to put a toque on his head and take a spin. <laughs> or sorry, spin the bottle, spin the rifle, whatever. Gnarly. Yeah, so just... gnarly and so cool. I love it. The fact that he had the balls to go there, I just, oh God. Ugh. Well, that that is true because even that is really obviously jarring and shocking to watch. But like again, like watching this after Dogtooth, you can totally see like, the like the horror influences and the horror that you know Lanthimos puts on screen like I never really considered him much of a horror director to, at all to be honest but after watching right. these two back to back it's totally clear that like horror and genre film are like well maybe not yeah sure but more so genre film are definitely at the like the core of a lot of the ideas he's trying to get I, across I think the the yeah like I think we like the core of a lot of his ideas are in the things that you can't control which is a lot of times a family dynamic sure. Totally. Right, especially because that's your your built in. That's who's you're supposed to be your protectors and stuff. So when that dynamic has changed a lot, you know, and especially having you know somebody where the the father doesn't feel one way for a certain child and the mother doesn't, where like once again, that's something that shouldn't be happening in a family dynamic. But yet right, you're faced right. with that. And I mean, I think the interesting thing with that is. It, um, Mitch brought up with like a lot of the dollying is aside from that when it it does take time to frame everything it frames it in a very it's it's always slightly outside of things or slightly to a corner which is a very know, yeah. um, right, right it's it's a very voyeuristic view and as well as when they're having conversations they talk uh, usually one person has their back to the camera so that you don't truly feel. You, you know, you're hearing what's being said, but because of the body language, you're not picking up on it. So it's very interesting is you're, you're basically um, most of the things you're given in this film in terms of dialogue, character development is in, in a very blunt or voyeuristic way so that you're kind of left with room to it, it's almost it's almost like you're left with room to make your own decision about what's happening instead of it being a movie where, like, let's say it's trying to force you to be happy so it's giving you certain things. This mm, kind of it does feel like it's it yeah it does feel like you're you're kind of walking past like a room at a hospital and and seeing a conversation that you which is basically what this is like you're seeing a conversation or you're you know you're hearing something you shouldn't be. Well, you're yeah. just being a, becoming a part of the family. It's just really really good filmmaking. That's <laughs> a really interesting. Yeah, that's a cool point because in a way it's like. Like there's almost no way you could be emotionally manipulated because everything is so you're so far removed right. in a way. And and like that's the thing is that you don't uh, and not that it it's uh, it doesn't take anything away from the writing of these complex characters that yes there is no true uh, black or white in any person you know in terms of you know that yin and yang is these characters are so complex into the fact that even they have negatives in them and you're trying to find positives within it. And you kind yeah. of have to twist to find those because that's that is kind of a key element, especially in a longer film. This is a longer film, and especially with that is yeah, uh, learning to like and dislike these characters for what they are. And you know, you have 
you have a mother who yeah, at certain times is is trying to do their best to protect and also at other times is sealing the fate of one of their kids in a conversation. These guys are basically having like a, a blood pact with each other about which kid they're going to kill. Like it's yeah. it's in a weird the, way it's endearing uh, in a ride or die nature where it's like, you know, you two are together till the end and you guys can choose what kid to kill. But at the same time, it's those are not conversations or things you want to see depicted on screens. And I'm sure if any of us were actually parents, I'm sure that would be 10 times harder to watch something like that because you have that built in instinct. Like, you know, I don't know if there was a, if they made, if they made this where all of a sudden I had to spin around and like, or called Farrell to spin around and there was like a bunch of dogs. I'd be like, don't do it, Colin. But you know, this one, I'm just like, Oh damn, you got to lose one kid. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes it'd be like that. I guess the wrong, bo- wrong kid dies. <laughs> <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> One no, thing that I really... Oh, sorry, go ahead, Mitch. My, the, I think, Boozy, you kind of pointed out maybe something I wasn't even thinking about while I was watching these movies, that that might be why I like this style of filmmaking so much and why I love the his films in particular are because they're like the first kinds of movies... They're, they're some of the first movies that come to mind for me about where I don't... I honestly... I don't connect with any of the characters and i don't care if i do and I you're just not, love, i don't think you're really supposed to no i just love watching it fucking play out and like watch it like seeing how this family is going to get out of it or how they're going to maneuver through this and it's like the shit just keeps getting real or like more real and real by the minute and it's just like it, i the other thing i didn't notice the last time i watched it maybe i just wasn't paying attention but like this movie's fucking intense like oh, the, God, score, yeah. the score oh, the score is, so is fucking amazing so, it, Dude, that like I, I don't use this word a lot to describe like scores a lot, but this really is like an eerie score. Oh yeah, it, it's just like it's the mood, man. Oh uh-huh. my god, totally, yeah. totally agree, man. I, I don't also, have. A... Um, Kyle, you said that they did. They used mostly just natural light for this, and totally. I was actually gonna mention like I didn't know that. I was gonna mention before is that whenever they're at that hospital, because it has so many uh, pillars and stuff, and there's so many open skyline views is that it is so bright when you're there, and I love the architecture, and it, it does kind of help in that natural framing of things. Well, but it feels, it's, it's it feels so, sterile. You know, it, it, it does. feels like... And it, it's yeah. so cool bleak. that, that it, they it just ble- did that naturally. It's, like, bleak in a really specific way. It's bleak, like, based on, like, the environment, because we all know what a hospital's like. We know that that it, is, like, it, yeah. true. It's, oh, man. It's realistic. Like, uh, what I, like, I love how manipulative Nicole Kidman is to the daughter, and same with Colin Farrell to the son, um, like even when, uh, Colin Farrell pulls his kid aside and he's like he trying to, or he's trying to get his kid to cut his hair constantly and he's trying to toughen him up and masculate him. And I, the way that like how Colin Farrell's fucking dragging that kid around and letting him fall limp on the floor. Like that's one oh of the most, God. like, it's like, God, that's hard to watch. And the, everything is just so real. Like everything feels so real. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, is it sure. weird that I kind of laughed about him doing that with a kid? Where he's like, "You could do it. Your legs definitely work." I, I think I think you're justifying that, Boozy, because that is kind of how the movie presents it. It's like, how could you not find that a little bit like silly to an extent, like a, like a little bit? Because it's so Especially, like, I think it makes it more funny in the context of like this is a surgeon exactly just yelling at this kid to like you can stand or, up. Like he pulls his kid aside to try and get him to to start like uh, trusting him, or or he needs to he needs him to open up and he needs him to know how urgent it is that he has to do that. So he talks about jerking him going into his dad's room and jerking him off one night. It's just like that's yeah, that's, that's everything's everything's in extremes though, and that's what I love. 
Like it's it's very simple, but it's in the dialogue even where it's just extreme. Oh, the dialogue is crazy. I the one note I wrote for the dialogue in this film is that it's anti Gilmore Girls. It's literally the exact opposite. It's like I don't know if I can fuck with anything that's anti Gilmore Girls. Honestly, <laughs> well, I mean, you don't want to sing you out like that, boozy, but it, 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 it yeah. like that. it's like it's really again specific and like Mitch, you mentioned this about Dogtooth that like he's really intentional with what he's putting on screen, and I think that is really apparent here as well, especially in this dialogue and the way the characters like how we perceive, I guess, who they are and maybe their backstories and how they exist in this world was really interesting to me this time around because I really paid more attention to like them as like these rich people, basically like that, yeah. that to me, it was like a really like obvious that this is like, I don't know, like the 1%, I guess. Right. Like, yeah. And like the, maybe the social elite. Yeah. And maybe how that kind of like way you live your life and the way you value things, everything's about money and wealth, like how that can, distort and percept like distort your perception of what you care about and how you care about things to the point where like how you find things valuable it just doesn't even equate to the same way that like regular people equate value and love and care and compassion so that was totally something i grabbed before i think maybe i always kind of like caught on to that, like oh they're like rich fucks who don't care about anything but themselves no empathy I think they're they're more interested in like upholding this kind of uh, image of them being this perfect family. I think you're right, and that totally it comes works together. Like a machine. Yeah. Well, it comes together in uh, Colin Farrell's character too, right? Because he's totally embarrassed of his actions and his past, and he doesn't want that to be reflective of who he is today. But at the same time, he's not at all comfortable with acknowledging what he's done. Or well, well, like, down to even the the anesthesiologist when he said that it oh, was so good, a hundred percent, it would be their fault, not his. And then you know she's asking the anesthesiologist, it's like, no, it's the surgeons. Yeah, yeah God, no, I, I this time around for me, it was it was more about like the general. I guess I guess the general like bleakness that I I know this movie has just because when I think of Killing the Sacred Deer I think about like how fucking dark it is in a really specific way. No, you think about spaghetti. But oh no, I know everyone talks about spaghetti with this film, but Guys. I think I think the number one most iconic part of this film that does not get talked about enough was the all acapella Ellie Golden cover. To oh, me, that's dude, the, I love that. I, it's yeah. fucking so sick. It's that's that's peak filmmaking. That's peak right there. Guys, well, I just want to say that unironically, yesterday I ordered uh, I ordered I ordered spaghetti. You and, ordered spaghetti. Yeah, I ordered spaghetti and ate that's it fucked, while man. watching Killing of a Sacred Deer, and it was amazing. That's I had big, Santa big. Lucia, and it was great. The the spaghetti isn't until like an hour into the movie. <laughs> I know, so I was I it was in my stomach by the time he was ingesting yeah. it, and it just it felt wrong. Like I was like I I I wanted to eat with you, I just didn't time it right. Yeah. I'm also, sorry, I just it's like who orders like I, I would never order like itchy ban noodles. To me, that's spaghetti. Kyle, like, I would never buy DVDs, but here we are. <laughs> <laughs> I would never order a cup of water. I would never. Who orders spaghetti, Boozy? I'm scared. I'm kind of scared of you. That was a good one. It was good just because he was quick. It's like. Quick, quick. He was on his feet. 
<laughs> I really need to start revealing more about myself so you guys can use something else instead of. I know, right? We're just going yeah. to the same dead horse well over here. But that's that's I mean, why it's fine. It's fine. We, me and Boozy truly did have a conversation before this about how it's been a while. Kind of like I'm just gonna unload on you. We haven't had our our punching bag here in a while. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. Yes, I can. I, I think we'll DVD see him again in like a month or. Yeah. Oh, there it is, Agent Cody Banks too. He just whipped it out like that. <laughs> It's funny uh, that you know exactly where it is, too. Yeah. <laughs> Alphabetical, bro. Dodgeball, unrated. Yeah. Oh, I had the slip cover because I wasn't a broke boy. <laughs> so, do we have anything else we want to talk yeah, but, about oh here? Yeah, I have the one last thing I want to say. Two last things I want to say. I, three last things. I love Ben Keough, or whatever his name is. I thought he's so fucking good in this movie, and his character is just so evil and malicious. Yes, Hamlet, too. Um... <laughs> Uh, but like he's got the line of the movie for me and the the dialogue was something that I really really connected with this time like just in like I just loved every second of it I was just so lost in that world and just so twisted but I love when he says to him if you're gonna dig a hole in the backyard it better be a big one right after explaining how he's like your whole family's about to fucking die dude <laughs> like but the thing is he does everything so fucking clinical the same way that it's like all of his movies and I, mm -hmm. I don't out of, out of these two, I like I haven't tired of that style yet, and, and like the his character in particular is interesting, right? Because it is right to like the point. He outlines exactly what the plot's gonna be, right? Like he yeah. he tells you what's gonna happen to the family. You know, if you don't do this, this will happen. So in a way, like from that point on, the stakes could be considered pretty low, right? Because it's like, well, the plot's outlined. Like, what do I have to care about? But well, the he real has to kill the. Yeah. Well, I mean, the fact that that has but the real horror in my mind is kind of like a will he won't he thing. Right. It's like, yeah. how is he going to go about it? And if he does, who's he going to do it to? And that like haunts the viewer for the rest of the film's runtime, which it also probably genius. it had to have terrified you when you saw Colin Farrell act out your favorite kink on screen. <laughs> <laughs> um, it really, it really did something interesting to me. I think. The male gaze was des described pretty interestingly through this film. Everybody wants to fuck Colin Farrell. If that's what you mean as a kink, that I want to fuck Colin Farrell. No, I mean, what like I got he, out wants, of it. he wants Nicole Kidman to lay still while he fucks her. Oh, that actually is one of my kinks. <laughs> that made me think, though, honestly, about, like, seriously, though, I wrote this down. Like, everyone wants to fuck Colin Farrell so bad in this movie. It's like, <laughs> would it, wouldn't you? I, I mean, I guess, but, like, it, it's He's to the point where... Man. It's to, I mean, I got nothing against Mr. Farrell, but the thing is, is like, I feel like in the movie's making a pretty direct point about that, where it's like, this man is kind of like, he's a king, he's walking around, everybody wants him, everybody needs uh -huh. him, he's, he can't do anything wrong, but he's like, got that big dick energy, he's, he's got big, well, it's not even that, he doesn't even want it, he, it that's the thing, his, yeah. his big energy is so strong that he doesn't even have a choice, it's, oh, okay, let's um, that, that, get into final thoughts here, so, what are we thinking? Are we are, are we going to revisit this one again? Will we recommend this to listeners out there? Where are we at? Hundred percent. I would recommend yeah. this to listeners. It's a great uncomfortable viewing experience. The last thing that I was going to say out of my three points is that I honestly get like the other night when I watched this, I couldn't find a single flaw in it. Like I I I couldn't find a single thing I didn't like about it. I love this movie. I think it's fucking actually perfect, and it's just such a unique experience. And like it definitely it hit me even way harder on a second time. Uh, I'm really happy that I revisited it and suggested this uh, episode. I'm really happy you did too, Mitch. This it's funny. It's just like 
sometimes I forget about films that I would should obviously bring up and suggest to you guys, and this is definitely one of them. Um, I think at the end of the day, this is just a cool story about you know taking power away from the powerful, and I'm really happy to watch it again. So yeah, definitely recommend it to everyone. Shout out Lucia Silverstone. Shout out Ellie Golding. Shout out Spaghetti. Somebody touch my spaghetti. Yeah. Um, oh, shout oh, out definitely shout out Spaghetti. Somebody touch my spaghetti. Shout out to a lot of crawling, a lot of good crawling in this movie. So, mm-hmm. you gotta let it yeah. burn. And we're gonna let it burn, 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 burn. You do um, need to let it burn. Burn. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you next time on the Terror Table. Take care.